What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is episode 287 of Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the program on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And you can follow our social pages on Facebook and Twitter slash X for the latest updates. Good to be back with you folks on this Monday, uh, Thanksgiving week. Before we get started, do want to say thank you to um, Eric Bellier came back, uh, returned to guest Friday last week uh, to talk some baseball. It was good to chat with Eric. Always good to have him back on the program. So um, if you have not listened to uh, guest Friday from last week, you can listen to it now. Um, unfortunately, with the holiday later this week, not going to be doing guest Friday, but we should be back doing some guest spots uh, the week after. So that's the good news. Um, so I think... We are going to get going today, November 20th, a couple days before Thanksgiving. Um, so we're going to get going. We're going to talk Celtics uh, first. We're going to get going to some basketball. May get to uh, some, or we'll get to some Bruins. We'll get to some Patriots, Red Sox, um, and some other, some other thoughts as well. So starting with the Celtics, um, another skin of their teeth type of win. Last night in Memphis, Celtics get the win, 102 to 100. Um, you know, I think that going into this game, you know, and watching the beginning part, um, really felt like, oh, okay, this is a team in Memphis that is severely, you know, undermanned, a team that, you know, likely, if all goes according to plan, the Celtics should be able to blow them out. That didn't happen. You know, I think... Credit to Memphis for playing a really hard, you know, scrappy type of game. You know, I think they started started the, they started the season zero and six. They've won a couple of games recently, so I think a scrappy win for the Celtics, which I think is good. I think in the early going, it's good for them to be able to win games like this. I think for their confidence in late game situations, but I also just think, you know, winning a game where you know, three-pointers weren't, you know, falling at the, maybe the rate they usually are. I mean, they shot 38% as a team, which isn't bad, but I think, you know, they kind of had to find other ways to find offense. And I think, you know, when you look at Porzingis, I think games like this are exactly why he was, why he got, why the Celtics brought him in. Because I think the way that he can score um, on the interior, it, you know, gives the Celtics something that they haven't had in, in years. You know, really, I cannot picture the last, you know, kind of big that they had that could score in the interior. You know, KG might be the last guy that I can think of. You know, someone that can score on those post-ups and, you know, Porzingis, I think, being a little bit more athletic than KG, you know, can kind of contort his body into ways that, you know, he can make shots look, you know, difficult, but can still make them. And I think, you know, 26 points on a night where, you know, he didn't make a three-pointer. You know, only attempted three threes. was eight of nine from the free throw line, nine for 13 from the field, eight rebounds, six blocks. I mean, I think a game like this, he was their best player. Um, and I think the great thing about how deep this team is, you can have different guys having great games any night. 
You know, I think if you think about the Sixers game early earlier last week, Derek White, Jason Tatum, both outstanding in that game. You know, you think about Friday night's game, uh, Porzingis. I think, I think across the board, the Celtics had good offensive games, but Tatum, you know, was not, you know, didn't shoot particularly well. But the Celtics were still able to find a way to win um, because Jalen Brown, you know, scored 23. And I think that this is a team where on nights where someone like Jason Tatum doesn't have it for whatever reason or, you know, just doesn't score a lot of points, having someone like Porzingis pick up the slack, you know, is huge. And make no mistake, Jason did not have a bad game. Had 20 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, a block and a steal you know, 7 for 13 from the field. But I think, as we kind of talked about last week, there are going to be some games where I think the shot distribution might be a little bit different. You know, certain guys might take more shots than they did the game before. And I think something that we're just kind of going to have to accept that there might be nights where Tatum doesn't take as many many shots as maybe he should. You know, Jalen takes 16 last night, didn't have a great game at only... 12 points on 5 for 16 shooting. But I think there are different guys that each night can kind of be the go-to guy. You know, Porzingis, that's who it was last night. You know, Derek White and Jason Tatum Wednesday night in Philly. You know, Jalen Brown Friday night in Toronto. You know, I think different guys can step up different nights. Um, And I think that that's what you saw last night. The Celtics, you know, made some big plays down the stretch. Um, I think one play in particular last night, which was the go-ahead basket, you know, Jason Tatum gets the ball on the block. And, you know, I think instead of, you know, instead of trying to back down his man, he quickly, you know, I think makes a movement to, you know, see, see, see who's open. And instead of, you know, backing down on his defender. If you if you watch the replay, Desmond Bain is coming right behind Jason Tatum. And I think a year ago, Jason doesn't see that and he loses the ball. But I think he did a good job of being, you know, kind of... What, what's the word, I think? You know, choosing to kind of be the guy that makes the play instead of or like being aggressive to make the right play. And I think instead of backing down, you know, he takes the ball aggressively, you know, jumps in the air, finds Porzingis on cutting to the basket, makes that pass, and that's the game-winning basket. And I think that a year ago, you know, Jason maybe instead of making that pass, he maybe holds onto the ball, you know, takes a difficult shot and misses, or he turns it over. And I think... The Celtics are finding ways to win these close games that come down to the wire. You know, you had a game in Toronto on Friday night that was, you know, a tied score with it with less than a minute to go. They find Derek White for the three and he knocks it down, you know, ends up being the game winner. And I think for the Celtics, just seeing the team seeing their ability to win these close games, I think is huge because it gives them confidence and it gives them confidence that it's like they will be able to come up with the right play. 
at the right time. And look, I think still there are going to be things that happen where the Celtics maybe don't look, maybe kind of look discombobulated at the end of games like they kind of did last season. And you might see stuff like that creep in. But I think you're seeing them make the right plays at the right time. And, you know, not kind of being, I don't want to say scared at the moment, but it's like you sometimes saw at times last season they would kind of, you know, wilt at those times. And I think last night they made the right plays. And I think Sharp got a little bit lucky with Memphis missing shots. But, you know, hey, that's how you win games. So, you know, pleased with the effort. I think Memphis is a grinded-out team that, you know, despite the guys that they were missing, they played a really good game. You know, I think with the offensive rebounds that they had, that kind of was a little bit of an issue at times last night. You know, Santi Aldama had a career game, 28 points and 12 rebounds, um, and Jaron Jackson had eight rebounds, I think. You know, that's just something that the team's going to have to be aware of. Um, I did think it was interesting that Luke Cornett did not get any minutes last night, although uh, Namias Keita did get five minutes. Lamar Stevens also played a couple minutes. You know, I'm wondering if the Celtics were having Cornette sit so that he can play minutes tonight, assuming that Al Horford does not play, played 22 minutes last night. So I think very pleased with the effort um, of this team being able to, you know, win in these close game situations. Uh, Sam Hauser has been excellent recently. You know, I think he's starting to really figure it out in the last couple of games. Knocked down five threes last night, and I think, you know, the for Pritchard, I think it's being confident in the little things that he's doing. And it's like, I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to be knocking down four or five threes every single game. But I think as long as he is, you know, doing the right thing, making the right plays, um, you know, that's really all you can ask for, for a guy like that who's, you know, essentially their backup uh, point guard off the bench. So, you know, I'll be curious to see what the rotation kind of looks like uh, tonight as the Celtics travel uh, to Charlotte, take on the Hornets. Another team that's not so good with their record, but, you know, a team that I think can play at a high level offensively. And then, you know, you hope that the Celtics are focused and ready to go from a, a defensive perspective tonight. But, you know, I think for the most part, played an okay defensive game. You know, I think Memphis is a team that they're just going to take a lot of shots. You know, you had Aldama and Desmond Bain, who were pretty much the sources of offense for Memphis last night, took um, 54 of the team's 95 shots and took 29 of the team's 44 threes. So, you know, I think it was a solid offensive or solid defensive game from the Celtics' perspective. And I think you know, great that Porzingis not only came up with the big hoops when the Celtics needed it, but came up with some big defensive plays, you know, blocking the potential game-tying shot um, in the final seconds, which was huge. So, you know, I think he is really making the difference for this team on both ends, you know, not just offensively, which I think offensively is the most important thing. It's the, you know, thing that gets the most headlines. Um, but I think his ability to defend, be a deterrent at the basket, but also 
be a guy that can pile up block shots, you know, really gives this team a uh, an element that I think they haven't had in a really long time. It's kind of a, it's, it's not really quite like a KG effect, but I think it's like he gives you kind of what Rob gave you defensively, but with a much more, much deeper kind of offensive skill set that he can step out and shoot threes. He can post up. The Celtics are among the top teams in the league, I think, in terms of post-ups and points by post-up. So, you know, I think it's just great to see that this team can do some different things offensively and not be a team that kind of, like last year, I think relied on a lot of three-pointers. Make no mistake, I think they still do. But I think it's nice to have some other you know, source of offense that they can go to if the three-pointers aren't falling. You know, I think whatever it was, 12 for 31 last night, that's not, you know, terrible, but it does seem like they do kind of fall into the trap of shooting too many threes, and it's just nice that different times they can go to Porzingis, and he's such a matchup nightmare that it's like, you know, he can be able to operate in the paint, you know, if he doesn't have a lot of space, and you know, I think the, the post-up thing, as I think someone said maybe on the pregame show last night, or maybe it was Scal, you know, making the point that them being a really good post-up team is actually, you know, helping the three-point shooting because I think teams have to decide, do we try to defend the three-point line? Do we try to defend the paint? And I think the Celtics can be able to you know, kind of mix and match what they try to do offensively. So it just is, it's good to see the team off to a good start. You know, I think that, yes, it's still the early part of the season. We're not yet to Thanksgiving, but I think this team has really started to catch the rhythm. You know, six straight wins going for seven straight tonight in Charlotte um, should be a, should be an interesting week for the Celtics as they, uh, play a couple of interesting games, um, you know, on the road in Charlotte. Not a very good team, but they then will come home, play the Bucks Wednesday night. The first matchup with the Bucks that, you know, should be a really interesting game. And then the Celtics travel to Orlando Friday night, Friday afternoon, for an in-season tournament game. And then they return home Sunday night against the Atlanta Hawks, so... We'll see how the Celtics do. I think Milwaukee, it'll be an interesting matchup, I think. Obviously, this is the team the Celtics are, one of the teams the Celtics are going to go toe-to-toe with the rest of the regular season in the East. You know, Orlando, young, up-and-coming team, kind of always seemed to give the Celtics issues. So I'm kind of curious to see how that game goes. Um, So with that being an in-season tournament game, I would think that the Celtics can clinch a spot in the next round if they beat the the Magic, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And then the final in-season tournament game for the pool play is Tuesday night against the Bulls at the Garden, so let's see how the Celtics do in these next couple. Uh, one other note that uh, Jalen Brown, it looked like, tweaked something um, at the in the last couple seconds of the Toronto game. Also, an in-season tournament game made some comments about the 
the floor, and I think the safety of the players is important. I'm not really sure, you know, what led to that, why the floor was slippery, because, you know, the Celtics played an in-season tournament game uh, like a week, like a week ago, a week before the Toronto game against Brooklyn, and I didn't think that there was any issues with slipping. So, you know, hopefully it's not a problem related to the new courts. Um, you know, because I think obviously that is obviously dangerous. You don't want guys slipping because it can cause injury. Jalen, I think, had like an adductor injury. He was able to play Sunday night, but I think, you know, something to kind of watch going forward. Um, so I think it's probably going to do it for the Celtics. Like I said, they're going to be busy this week with four games schedule is uh, not getting any easier for this team so a lot of games this week starts tonight in charlotte seven o'clock start so now we will move to the bruins uh, getting a really good performance uh, the last two games bruins were not as busy as the celtics with uh, just two games this week played monday night against or tuesday night excuse me against buffalo and then home against Montreal on Saturday, Bruins winning both 5-2. to two. Really impressed with both of these games. I think that these two games in particular, you saw a little bit more production from the Bruins defensemen. Um, I think that that's one of the things that you want to see from this team going forward. You know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, things that aren't going well when you have a team that's 12-1-2. But I think, looking at this Buffalo game, you had three defensemen that had points. Uh, Carlo Lindholm had a goal. McAvoy had two assists. And then the Montreal game... I clicked on the wrong thing. <laughs> then in the Montreal game, you had... Um, also, points by three different defensemen, Carlo Lindholm and McAvoy. McAvoy getting uh, the first goal in the power play, and then Carlo and Lindholm getting assists later in the game. So I think, you know, that's been one of the points of emphasis for this team. And I think with a team that doesn't have as much, you know, talent in terms of the forwards, you know, you kind of need your defensemen to be able to, to pepper in points. And I think... You know, you can start seeing Lindholm being a little bit more effective in the offensive end of the game, I think just makes this team a lot more dangerous. And I just, I got to be honest, you know, I love Charlie McAvoy, one of my favorite players to watch in the Bruins, but good Lord, I wish he would shoot the puck more. And I know that, you know, his game is trying to get other guys involved, but it's like when he is a guy that's willing to shoot, you know... <laughs> He can score a lot of goals, you know, and I think that, again, getting the defenseman involved, you know, leads you to not having to rely on, you know, Pasternak or, you know, Marchand or, you know, the big guys to score, to score every game, you know, and I think getting games like Saturday where Frederick scores twice, Van Riemsdyk scores, Zaka scores, you know, games that you can get your other guys involved, I think is 
just massive. Because again, you know, this is a team that's not as deep in terms of what they can roll out offensively, you know, no Taylor Hall, no Tyler Bertuzzi, no David Krejci. You know, you have guys in different spots that, you know, may not have like the high end offensive skill, but I think getting a guy like Van Riemsdyk involved every game is huge. And I think Charlie Coyle and Frederick, I think that trio has been really good as a line recently. And I think, you know, really not a lot of complaints with the other guys. You know, Pasternak is just ridiculous. And I think legitimately, I think, I don't want to make a crazy statement, but I honestly think that he could be a, you know, an MVP type player this year. Kind of thought he was last season. So, you know, he's a guy that could be another MVP candidate, not a guy that you have to worry about night in and night out. But I think this team being as, as dangerous as they can be, you know, is really, really important. So you can have a offense that you feel like you can rely on in certain games. And I think as much as there's conversation about them not being as high-powered, you have had some offense recently. You know, other than the or three of the last four games, the Bruins have scored five goals. And, you know, yes, scoring not as much as they did last year, but I think finding ways to win, finding ways to get offense from places that you know, maybe when you made these moves in the offseason, people didn't really think that they were going to be making a difference. But it's like, you look at Van Riemsdyk, five goals, seven assists. Charlie Coyle, five goals, nine assists. You know, Frederick, five goals, two assists. You know, focusing on focusing in on Van Riemsdyk, he's a guy that had 29 points last season in 61 games. Already has 12 points in 16 games. You know, I think that James is yet another example of the Bruins being able to sign kind of a bargain bin free agent player and be able to kind of develop that player into a difference maker. And he's been excellent on the power play, three, uh, six power play points. Um, and I think, what, two power play goals last season has three already this season. And I think making an impact at five on five, which to be honest, I don't think a lot of people saw, but I think the combination of him and Coyle and Trent Frederick have been really good recently. So, you know, that's definitely something to watch. I think someone like Patra has maybe not been as noticeable recently in terms of point production, but, you know, I think still making the difference, making the, making the right plays. Um, so interesting to watch his development going forward, but I think Pasternak and Marchand are going to be the guys that lead the team. And, you know, I don't want to say it's a bonus what the other guys can do, but it feels like it's it's different guys stepping up different nights, which is almost kind of like the Celtics we said in terms of different guys stepping up different nights. But it's like, that's kind of what it feels like. You know, you had Frederick with the two goals Saturday. You know, last Tuesday in Buffalo, you had 
you know, four different guys score their first goals of the season. In that game against the Islanders last week, Coyle scores a hat trick. You know, you're having different guys step up, and I think making things easier for the goaltending, and, you know, Lord knows you don't need to make it easier for the goaltending. The goaltending is already just ridiculous, and I think doesn't need to be. It's not really a thought, you know, how good they are, that you know every night you're going to get great goaltending, and I really don't want to sit here and dispense with the, you know, insane rumors that the Bruins should trade one of the goalies. I don't even think it's worthy of a conversation, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, that's what your strength is. Your strength is goaltending. Don't take away from the strength. I think is basically how I see it because it's like you're trading one of those goalies. You're asking Brandon Bussey to play every other game. I don't know if he's ready to be an NHL goaltender. So it's like you just want to keep your strength the strength, you know, at the end of the day. And yes, I know people are going to be like, well, you know, they only started one goalie last year. Well, it's like the way that this team has been talking, the way that Montgomery's been talking, does not lead me to believe that they're going to make that same mistake you know, if and when the playoffs come for this team in the spring. Um, so, again, for the Bruins, not as busy last week. They are going to be busy this week uh, with four games. They uh, have a Florida trip for the early part of this week. They go to Tampa Bay, which will be tonight at 7. Then they're in Florida to take on the Panthers Wednesday night, and then they have a quick return home for Black Friday, 1 o'clock against the Red Wings, and then go back on the road for a matinee the next day on Saturday against the Rangers, also a 1 o'clock start. So Bruins uh, pretty busy this week, some pretty important opponents. Very curious to see what this team looks like against the Rangers, who have had a really good start to their season. So taking just some looks at... Uh, tonight's matchup with the Montreal, with Tampa Bay. Um, you know, I think this is still a Tampa Bay team that's very, very talented. I know that a lot of people, including myself, that think that they kind of are going to take a step back this year, you know, based on kind of the the huge games that they've played over the years and kind of the age, kind of the older kind of aging part of this team. But make no mistake, they're still a good hockey team. You know, any team that can still, that can roll out Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, and Steven Stamkos, they're always going to be a good team. So, um, kind of much of the same for Tampa Bay. You know, missing a couple players from, like, the, the big-time, you know, championship runs, but I think still a very good hockey team. So, looking at their record... At the moment, eight six and four in the Eastern Conference, and they are holding on to that last playoff spot in the East. So, you know, I think offensively, defensively, similar. You know, Chernak and Hedman are still there. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky, though, is still recovering from off-season surgery, so he's I think still out for a couple more weeks. So I think that's kind of the only difference that. You know, not having to face a, a Vasilevsky facing a Jonas Johansson instead. Who's um, had kind of an okay season, but, you know, I think not the not the uh, 
great goalie that Vasilevsky is. So, you know, it'll be interesting tonight. Olmark looks like he might get the start tonight. Bruins and Lightning actually playing their first game of the season. Their next game is the 6th of January in Boston. So, before we go to talking about the Patriots, there is a kind of big elephant in the room that we need to discuss in terms of the Boston Bruins. And um, it's not something that I really... It's, it, it's never something that you want to talk about on a sports podcast. Um, and so, obviously, the news over the weekend that uh, Milan Lucic was arrested um, on a charge of assault and battery against a family or household member, it sounds like he will be um, arraigned in court tomorrow, um, obviously, I think, came as kind of a shock to people. Um, I think to me included, it was not something that I was expecting to see, you know, come across the timeline of, you know, wherever I saw it. But um, I think the first thing that I think we need to think about here is, you know, hoping that the family is getting the support that they deserve. Um, And I think that before we even talk about, you know, the impact that it has, on the team, anytime there's a situation like this, it's making sure that whoever needs the support is getting the support. Um, and I think, you know, Bruins not providing a lot of details. You know, I think that sure there are details that you can look into if you want, but I think, you know, out of, out of sensitivity for, for listeners, I think I'd rather just not you know, discuss the specific things um, that are in, you know, whatever the investigation. So, um, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to talk about because, um, you know, it's just disappointing. It's disappointing. It's, it's awful. And it's, you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's just disappointing. And um, again, you just want to hope that the family is getting the is getting the right support, and you know that's kind of that. Um, I think just for me personally, it's it's disappointing because you know Lucic is one of my favorite all time Bruins. But I think that being said, that doesn't matter, um, and I think it's you know it's I think it's hard. I think it's initially hard for me because I think you know growing up seeing you know, athletes that you think are, you know, heroes and you you put them up on a pedestal that, you know, they can't do anything wrong. You know, obviously that's not the case. And I think it's kind of, it's, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to, to talk about here because I think I want to say the right things. Um, cause I don't want to make it sound like, Oh, I'm disappointed because Lucic is, one of my favorite Bruins players. Make no mistake, this would be disappointing if it was any player. Um, but I think it's just, you know, we don't really know what a lot of these athletes are really like. You know, I think that we may think that we do because we see them on TV and we see them play these games and, you know, can follow their, you know, 
follow their social medias and have an idea of what they're doing. But it's like, I think behind closed doors, you don't really know what a person is like. And so I think for any people that are having a hard time with the fact that, oh, you know, it doesn't seem like he would do something like this. It's kind of like, well, you don't really know. Um, and so, you know, I think from the Bruins perspective, it's, it's disappointing, obviously. It's someone that I think is important to the team in terms of, you know, the, the, the leadership, the, excuse me, the leadership aspect of it. And, you know, hoping that he was going to be a soundboard for some of the younger players and setting an example. And it's just, this is not the way to do that. And, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's just really, really disappointing. And, you know, I, I hope that I've, you know, said the right things here. I don't want to, you know, say the wrong thing. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's important that the, you know, family gets the support and, you know, yeah, I mean, that's really, that's really all I can say. You know, the Bruins and Coach Montgomery have made, you know, comments here and there, but I think it's, I think that it's a, going to be a tough time for the team and, you know, make no mistake, that's not the most important thing here, but I think just the way that the team's been playing, having this type of distraction, you know, is really, is, is really disappointing and make no mistake, it's disappointing and, you know, horrific for the family as well that, you know, they have to deal with this, you know, unwanted attention. So um, I'm not really sure what happens going forward with Lucic. You know, I can't really see him being a member of this team for much longer. You know, I think that they said that he's taking a leave of absence, but it's like, I think um, it's going to be a really hard time. It's going to, like, I think we're going to have a really hard time seeing him they're like, I don't think we're seeing him in a Bruins uniform again. You know, I think that this is a team and this is a culture that doesn't stand for a behavior like this. And it's kind of, you know, similar situation to what it was that with this, or it was a similar situation last year, you know, with the signing of Mitchell Miller, that it's like the team very clearly doesn't stand for this type of behavior. And it's just, you know, it's just disappointing at the end of the day. So um, just wanted to kind of give my my thoughts on it. But, you know, again, we hope that the family's getting the, the right support that they, um, that they need um, and, that, and that they deserve. So I think we're going to move on, talk a little bit about the Patriots coming into or coming out of their bye week. You know, I think a week of practice before their matchup with the with the Giants came off a win yesterday. So um, I think, you know, going forward, we talked a lot about this last week that, you know, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the quarterback position. You know, I've kind of given my thoughts as to, you know, why Mac Jones was maybe pulled at the end of that Colts game. But I think that, you know, there's another element that, maybe I didn't think of was, you know, maybe the Patriots benching Mac Jones was 
a message to be like, okay, the player has made a, a mistake and, you know, he's getting benched and it's a way to kind of hold guys accountable and, you know, kind of being more of a culture thing than anything else that, you know, Mac Jones is not going to be treated differently. And I know that, yes, Mac Jones has made a lot of, you know, terrible mistakes in games this season. But I think this was kind of, I don't want to say the last straw, but it's like a really, you know, bad mistake that cost the team a win. So I'm, you know, curious to see who plays quarterback on Sunday. You know, I think, could it be Mac Jones? I think it's possible. I think it could be Bailey Zappi. I think that's possible. You know, I think giving reps to different guys the rest of the season makes a lot of sense. Um, and so I think, you know, it's difficult because I think as we were talking about last week, maybe it makes more sense to, you know, see what Zappi and Will Greer can do and perhaps Malik Cunningham the rest of the season, what they could do with these starts, you know, and kind of be a, I don't say tanking, but, you know, like I said last week, treating the rest of the season kind of like preseason, see what you can get from different young players, you know, and kind of use it as an evaluation period. But, you know, it may just be that it just is not something that the Patriots really can do or want to do. And I think, you know, Bill Belichick is a coach that, you know, coaches to win. And I think, you know, tanking or, or whatever, you know, is just not something that, you know, that, that he can accept or he can do. And I think, you know, at a certain point, I'm kind of okay with it because I think for me personally, I'd rather see this team try to fight through the struggles and continue to compete, continue to try to do the right things and continue to try to win games because I think it's, you want to build habits. You want to build good winning habits. And I think the Patriots certainly have not done a good job of that this season, but there's seven games left. And, you know, you want to be able to use these games as a, you know, springboard maybe into next season. You want to use these games as a positive. I don't believe that there's ever a period of time that games are, you know, useless, that they don't mean anything. Maybe they don't mean anything in terms of, you know, playoff standing or whatnot, but it's like they are meaningful. They're meaningful to some people. Um, and I think, you know, this is not a team that's constantly getting blown out. This is a team that's in a lot of games. And yes, maybe the play throughout the game is not perfect, but they've had chances to win. And I think you want them continuing to, again, try to build good habits. And I think that's what these next last seven games are. And I think, you know, if Mac Jones is starting, it's, you know, Bill Belichick believes that that's the player that gives them the best chance to win. You know, if it's Bailey Zappi, if it's Will Greer, I think then it's obvious to point to, okay, maybe wins are not the most important thing for this team. But I think, you know, I have enough faith in Bill Belichick that whatever he's, he does is best for the team. Um, and I think, look, 
could it maybe solve problems for the team if they just punted the season, finished 2-15, and 15, and got the first or second pick? Maybe. But it's just like at the end of the day, I think that when you do things like that, you know, it's something that doesn't build good habits, that it's almost like, you know, you get away from the things that, you, you get away from ha- good habits. And I think that's the dangerous part about, you know, wanting this team to get a better draft pick. Well, it's like, okay, so you're, I just like, I don't think that that solves everything. And I think that people think that, okay, get a Caleb Williams, get a Drake May, that's going to solve everything. It's like, this is a football team that I think unfortunately has, you know, shortcomings that go beyond the quarterback. That it's not just as simple as get a number one pick quarterback and you're fine. This is a team that I think has some other areas that they need to upgrade. And so I think, you know, tanking for that number one or number two pick maybe doesn't really make a lot of sense. Now, I think does this team finish with like a top five or a top six pick? I would think that there's a good chance. Um, And so I think even if you're in that range, it's not really terrible either because I think this is a team that does need help. You know, a wide receiver does need help at offensive line. You know, I think that, you know, if you finish with a top five pick, top six, top seven, whatever it is, you know, I think taking an offensive lineman a tackle in particular might make a lot of sense. And so I just think it's it's too early to start, you know, thinking about what the draft's going to be. And I think this is a team that still needs to focus on the task ahead, which is finishing out the season strong, you know, and if that means that this team wins, you know, three or four of their next seven, you know, it finishes the season, you know, five and 12 or six and 11, you know, then that's what it's going to be. And I think I'd prefer that this team tries to build off or tries to, you know, go out and win some games and build good habits and try to, you know, get some momentum going because I just, if, if your goal is to tank the rest of the season, I just, I don't think it sends a good message to your organization, to your locker room that, okay, things have gotten bad, let's just give up. Because it's just like, that's not what you do. That's not what you do as a professional athlete. You don't just quit when things get hard because it's just, I mean, what's the point, right? You can't, you don't just be an athlete to experience good things. Like you try to work through things that are hard. You try to work through struggles. And I just would hate to see this team fall into the, you know, tanking, getting a top quarterback. It doesn't work out. You tank again get another high it's like it becomes a cycle it becomes a cycle of a bad operation and this is not a organization that operates that way and it shouldn't be and you can say whatever you want to say that oh 
they're two and eight, they are a bad team. Well, it's like, this is really the first year that it's bottomed out and kind of really the bottom's all fall, fallen out. The last couple of years have not been bad. You know, this is not a team that's been bad for four years. It's just not the case. And so I just think if our thought process is, okay, first bad season in a while, let's just give up. I just, I don't really see the point in that. Um, so it will be interesting to see practice this week. You know, who do the Patriots go with at quarterback? Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see against the Giants this week. I think it's another winnable game for this team. So, you know, I think, again, building good habits. I want to see this team do well, and I'd like to see them win a couple more games so it's not like we're going into the season with all these losses and all this negativity. And I just don't believe in the, you know, get the first or second pick, then you're going to be fine. You know, I think for me personally, you know, they figure out what they need to do with Mac Jones, whether it's hang on to him or trade him. You know, I think bringing in a veteran quarterback might make sense. Um, but I think it's, you know, I don't think that this team needs to overreact. Um, and I just, I have a concern, as I said this, that, you know, this is one bad season. And I think over an overreaction would be firing Bill Belichick. And I think, you know, again, that doesn't really solve anything. So that's kind of just my thoughts about this team going forward, but it'll be interesting um, to see what happens in the next couple weeks. So Patriots and Giants in the Meadowlands, one o'clock, one o'clock on Sunday. So I think we're going to get to a little bit of Red Sox, just some items here. Luis Urias, who played some games for the Red Sox, was traded to the Mariners last week. Uh, Tristan Casas was a finalist for American League Rookie of the Year. Did not win, but it was nice to see him get some uh, recognition for his his performance. So that was good to see. And then some other Red Sox bits. Uh, Aaron Nola, who I think was a free agent target of the Red Sox and some other teams, uh, remained with the Phillies signing a new contract seven years for $172 million. So kind of a, a big name in the pitching market off the board. So it'll be interesting to see how the Red Sox uh, try to proceed going forward. So I think going to get to some NFL. I think actually there was one revolution item that there appears to be some momentum for uh, potentially a new stadium being built um, in the Everett area for the revolution. So that's, I think, something positive to think about for the revolution as they go into an offseason that I think is really going to be important for kind of the next direction of, of the team. Um, so we're going to get to some... NFL notes before we get through the score, get through the scores. Joe Flacco will be joining the Browns practice squad. Um, Deshaun Watson is out for the season. They had Dorian Thompson Robinson play quarterback yesterday. Led them to, led, led them to a win. 
the Seahawks unsure if Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker will play Thursday night uh, for Thanksgiving as they both got banged up in their loss to the Rams yesterday. And Robert Sala for the Jets is non-committal on the Jets' next quarterback after Wilson got benched, after Zach Wilson got benched in the Jets' loss to the Bills. So we'll take a look at some scores. Obviously, Thursday night you had the Ravens beating the Bengals, who lost Joe Burrow for the season as he is going to have surgery on his wrist. Uh, Mark Andrews for the Ravens also hurt his ankle, and he is, I believe, out for the season as well. So a lot of big injuries here, but the Ravens get the win. Lamar Jackson, two touchdowns passing. Ravens win 34-20, improved to 8-3. And then the Browns doing enough defensively and obviously doing enough offensively to beat the Steelers 13-10 yesterday. Game-winning field goal by Dustin Hopkins. Browns win 13-10. Improved to 7-3. The Lions with a fourth quarter comeback to beat the Bears 31-26. They improved to 8-2 with the win. Bears dropped to 3-8. The Packers come up with a big defensive stand late in their win over the Chargers. 23-20. Both teams now sit at 4-6. The Dolphins outlasting the Raiders 20-13. Jalen Ramsey with an interception in the end zone to seal it. Dolphins win 20-13. They improve to 7-3. The Giants beating the Commanders yesterday 31-19 with a good defensive performance in the fourth quarter. Pick six. Giants win 31-19. They improve to 3-8. Patriots next opponent. The Cowboys dominating the Panthers 33-10. Deron Bland tying an NFL record with his fourth pick six of the season. Dak Prescott, two touchdown passes. Cowboys improved to 7-3. The Jaguars dominate the Titans 34-14. Trevor Lawrence, two touchdowns to Calvin Ridley. So Jags improved to 7-3. The Cardinals outlast, or the Texans outlast the Cardinals 21-16. A couple touchdown passes for CJ, CJ Stroud. And the Texans improved to 6-4. and four. Brock Purdy with three touchdown passes in the 49ers win over the Bucks, 27-14. It's two in a row for the 49ers, who are now 7-3. Bills beat the Jets 32-6. Three touchdown passes for Josh Allen a week after they fired their offensive coordinator. So Bills improved to 6-5. and five. And then the Rams outlast the Seahawks as Jason Myers of the Seahawks missed a potential game-winning field goal. Rams win 17-16, improved to 4-6. And, and then a close game last night in Denver. Broncos beating the Vikings 21-20. Game-winning drive for Russell Wilson and company as the Broncos get to 500 after their 1-5 start. So they've won four in a row. And then the teams on buys this week the Falcons, the Colts, and the Saints, in addition to the Patriots. And the Monday night football game tonight, Eagles and Chiefs Super Bowl rematch um, in Kansas City. So it should be an interesting game to watch. Eagles 8-1, Chiefs 7-2, 8-15 start on ESPN in this one.
So we'll get to some NBA notes. Bradley Beal will be out at least three weeks for the Suns with a back injury. Marcus Smart, um, you know, as we talked about the Grizzlies for, for a bit earlier, Marcus Smart out for three to five weeks with a foot injury. was nice to see um, him get interviewed by Abby Chantnun, NBC Sports Boston, last night before the game. That was nice and good to see that he had some conversation with Jason Tatum before the game. So hopefully we get to see Marcus when the Grizzlies come to the Garden in February. So he is out a couple weeks with a foot injury. And we'll take a look at the schedule for tonight. Obviously Celtics and Hornets at 7, also at 7 o'clock. Denver and Detroit and Milwaukee and Washington. And then a couple 8 o'clock games. Miami and Chicago, the Knicks, Minnesota, the Kings, and New Orleans, the Clippers, and the Spurs. And then at 10 o'clock, the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. So take a quick look at how the standings are turning out. Celtics are first place in the East, first place in the NBA. Minnesota and Oklahoma City first place, or tied for first place in the West. We'll take a look actually at the in-season tournament standings. Uh, currently in the Celtics group, Group C, the Celtics are 2-0. So they are at the top of the group with a plus 8.5 point differential, which I believe is the first tiebreaker. So Celtics 2-0. Also in the East, Indiana's 2-0 in their group, Group A. And then in Group B, Milwaukee and Miami or 2-0 there. And then in the Western Conference, Lakers are 3-0 in their group. So they're at the top in Group B, New Orleans and Denver atop their group, 2-1. And, and then Sacramento, Minnesota, atop in Group C, they are 2-0. So most teams have played two or three games in the in-season tournament. Celtics will play the Magic on Friday. That will be their third in-season uh, ter in tournament game. Um, so I think, take a look at some NHL notes here. The Bruins uh, Saturday night at the Garden honoring a bunch of teams, or honoring the Stanley Cup winning teams from the 70s. So that was a nice uh, ceremony there. The uh, Jack Hughes scores in his return as the Devils lose to the Rangers over the weekend. Um, so not a whole lot of notes there. I'll take a look at some games from tonight. Games for tonight, Bruins and Lightning. Oilers and Panthers also at 7. And then at 8 o'clock, Colorado, Nashville, the Rangers and the Stars. And then 9 o'clock, Kings and Coyotes. 10 o'clock, San Jose, Vancouver and Calgary and Seattle. And so some MLB notes before we let you folks go. Um, Aaron Nola returning again, returning to the Phillies on a seven-year contract. The negotiations for the Japanese pitcher Yamamoto is expected to start Tuesday. Red Sox may be in the running for him. We'll see. Um, as I mentioned on the guest Friday, Ronald Acuna and Ronald Acuna and Shohei Otani winning unanimous MVP awards uh, for both of their respective leagues. 
And I think, yeah, I think I'll probably do it for me this week. A little shorter, not as many things to, to discuss. But uh, yes, we'll be back with you folks next week. No Guest Friday this week again. Uh, so enjoy the holiday, everyone. Uh, enjoy the turkey, all the sides and all that. Um, and yeah, everyone enjoy time spent with uh, family and friends and loved ones. And we will uh, talk to you next week.